Awesome admission professionals. This podcast is the Admissions Entrepreneur, a day in the life. I'm your host, Tom Skank. I'm the founder of Dartmouth Associates, and we are the creators of the Results Oriented Recruiting System, otherwise known as ROAR, a proprietary enrollment intervention that integrates entrepreneurial thinking and sales fundamentals to immediately help schools in crisis. We are also the first and only global consultancy to assist K-12 independent schools with their enrollment needs and through integrated multimedia campaigns, introduce schools to companies that bring best-in-class products and services that enhance their recruiting process from around the world. Dartmouth Associates offers 360 enrollment audits, online results-oriented recruiting training, executive admission masterclasses, keynote addresses, conference facilitation, and director placement searches. We also offer three integrated media campaigns designed to both exalt and align admission professionals from around the globe. This podcast, The Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life, our Roar Magazine, the first ever upscale lifestyle publication for the admission professional, and the San Diego Admission Fest Summit, Power Marketing for the New Era. These diverse campaigns are also designed to offer aggressive sponsorship opportunities for companies wanting to exhibit their products and services to the admission office market. If you need recruiting help or would like to promote your products or services, please email us at dartmouthassociates at gmail.com or go to our website at www.dartmouthassociates.com. Today, we're bringing fun and insights to your profession. We have incredible guests who share their unique life stories with you. So please make sure to catch each and every episode and like, subscribe, and share. Now, let's get started. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Tom Skank, to the Admissions Entrepreneur Podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted to have our guest, Peter Barron. Peter is responsible for the creation and oversight of EMA's external programs, as well as its membership promise. By the way, EMA stands for Enrollment Management Association. He oversees EMA's marketing and communications, member recruitment and retention, and outreach functions, as well as its leadership training programs, research, and other related strategic initiatives. With a career spent in product development, sales, relationship development, and marketing, Peter's success has been built on listening to schools and families' needs. Peter joins EMA from Blackboard, where he served as a member of the K-12 Executive Committee and led the business development of its K-12 Partner Network, working with schools, associations, and other partners to increase the value of BlackBod products across the entire school community. Prior to his work at BlackBod, Peter served as the chief evangelist at Whipple Hill, a cloud-based software provider to independent schools, where he developed and implemented the organization's inbound marketing strategy. He is also the founder of Ed Social Media, a community-driven site dedicated to exploring the role of social media in education and admissions quest, 
an online resource connecting independent schools and families via a range of social media inspired tools. Peter has also served as vice president of sales at In Residence, a company that provides data and web solutions for independent schools. Peter has served as a trustee for Wolfboro, the summer boarding school, and participated on the executive committee of the Association of Boarding Schools North American Boarding Initiative. He's a graduate of Brewster Academy, Skidmore College, and Tufts University. Peter, my friend, welcome. Glad to have you. Wow. I should have sent you the short version of the bio. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I go back a long time, and uh, you've had an incredibly successful and dynamic career, and I'm just delighted to be able to spend a little more time uh, with you. Yeah, it's great, Tom. You know, I was thinking about it over the weekend. I was thinking about when, when was the first time we really got to know each other, and it, you ran a training program for young admission professionals at the Marvel Wood School, and you had me come down there and lead a session. And one of the most distinctive parts of that visit was, I remember it was blueberry season and the blueberry pies that they made, in, you know, to, for that event were like some of the best blueberry pies I've ever had in my life. So I don't know what year that was, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. That was a lot of fun. In fact, one of my most recent podcasts was a fella who I was given his name uh, by a mutual friend of ours, Jerry Larson. Mm. And I called him up to get him as a guest on the podcast. He is actually a, the director of admission at Miss Halls. And he was in that session. Oh, no kidding. That's he funny. was in that session. Yeah, and there you go. So we had a delightful time and absolutely an outstanding professional and has really done some great stuff with financial aid. But oh, in any great. case, uh, where has the time gone? Right. Well, it's, it's moved. It doesn't stop. That's for sure. And I know back in the day, um, EMA was called SSATB. Yeah. And it was really the, the premier place for people to attend, if you were a director of admission or anything in admissions, to connect with your colleagues. And it sounds like you have changed the name, but maintained that tradition admirably. Yeah, if anything, I think we've really doubled down on it, right? Like our community is what sustains us and, you know, everything that we do at EMA is really designed to help our enrollment colleagues, both, you know, in schools and out, like be a little bit better each day. Like at the end of the day, how can we improve? How can we advance, advance the industry? And it, it's been a fun, gosh, almost four years now in terms of thinking through different ways that we can do that. Well, having said that, uh, you, you understand about enrollment from a lot of different perspectives. But let me just start with this question. Sure. Uh, as you said, you've kind of doubled down on what EMA is doing. What excites you most about the direction of EMA today? Yeah, it's a great question because I think we could go on. I mean, look, I could probably spend an hour just talking about that topic alone because we've been doing so much work around you know, our strategic planning and just thinking about how are we going to advance the organization and our members but, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, like we, we've got this thing that we call the uh, strategic enrollment management spectrum. And it talks oh. about all the different things that, that schools can do in order to successfully implement an enrollment management program. And what it's, what's exciting for me is it provides a framework, provides a guiding light. And whether it's professional development or products and services, 
you know, we're thinking about how can we help schools in these different areas. And I can send you the spectrum. I'd love uh, that chart. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thank you. Um, so we're thinking about how we can help in each one of these areas. And, you know, it starts with recruitment and selection of new students, right? That's obvious. But right. then you start to get into student educational outcomes. That's key to enrollment management, tuition and financial aid strategy, uh, your program and your brand, you know, retention. That was something that we spent a lot of time thinking about this year, Tom, with uh, many schools reporting that they saw uh, more families entering into their communities from the public schools because right. public schools... And I live this myself out here in Seattle. I mean, it was really hard to figure out how, how large public schools and small for that matter, were going to be able to operate in a remote function. So, you know, a lot of independent schools benefited from that. So the question is, how do those students, are those students going to stay another year as schools open back up? So we spent a lot of time thinking about that problem and programming around that. But it also includes market research and strategy, composition of the school community. I mean, I'm listing these things off. And as I'm listing these things off, you, under, you start to see, well, this is a really complicated picture, right? It takes a level of sophistication to be able to uh, execute a successful enrollment management strategy. And, and this is really what we're here to do. We're here to help our members you know, do that, that work. And it comes through you know, our products, right? It could be the SSAT, it could be the, the character snapshot, our, our standard application online, what have you. But then it also shows itself through the way we provide professional development. You know, we're, we, we've got a great PD team. They're, they're, they're doing amazing work in terms of delivering conferences and courses and all sorts of things. Um, but, you know, at, at its heart, it's about the community. And, and that's, that's really where I get excited in terms of helping our members grow their organizations, but, but not only grow their organizations, but grow themselves as individuals too, because we think very strongly that there's a re leadership pipeline coming out of enrollment management that's going to have a very positive impact on school communities for years to come. And, and you're seeing it, you're seeing more enrollment you know, folks grow through their careers and be landing as head of school. I and mean, you were head of school, right? Like there's just a great uh, synergy there in terms of uh, the leadership and what, 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 what enrollment folks can do to help schools grow and sustain themselves. You know, let me <clears throat> ask a, a follow-up question. You mentioned sure. about directors of admission becoming heads. Yeah, I love um, that topic. Love that topic. I think that on some level, it's different skill sets. Um, mm -hmm. And some people really want to be directors of admission as that's yeah. their, that is their terminal profession because they really yep. enjoy all aspects of it. Yep. Um, what do you it's think? It's a great profession, right? It, it, it really is. And, and again, yep. as you know, just like really being ahead, there's no college degree for it. Right. Uh, right. I, I had a buddy of mine, um, well, in fact, uh, you know, Pat Finn. Yep. Uh, and he used to be at Cheshire Academy or uh, no, no, not Cheshire Academy. He was at uh, Canterbury. Yep. And when he started, he asked his predecessor, he goes, what should I do for training? And the comment was, well, you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, well, now we can come to EMA, right? Because <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, there you go. But that's, but that's kind of how things have changed. Yeah. What do you think are, are some of the skill sets that really transfer, most importantly, from being a director of admission to being a head? Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm going to borrow from your playbook here, Tom, and, and kind of wrap a story around it, because I think, you know, real world experience is, is a great way to, to, to answer that question. So, you know, shameless plug here, but, you know, we have a podcast that I was telling you about it before. Sure. It's called the Enrollment Management Spectrum. 
And gosh, it was a couple of years ago. We had John Farber mm-hmm. on the show from RJ sure. 175. Yep. Great guy. And we flat out asked the question, the same question that you just asked, right? This episode is sponsored by School Connections. The idea is simple, affordable and meaningful venues for traditional boarding schools, therapeutic schools, and domestic and international educational consultants to come together for informational and networking purposes. This process ultimately leads to the successful placing of students into the most compatible environments. School Connections workshops involve multiple individual meetings between educational consultants and admissions representatives from schools and programs. Their workshops range from two to three days and allow attendees to maximize their time with individual appointments in one workshop in one location. I know from experience, School Connections is a fantastic program. And if you are looking for students, please reach out to them at schoolconnections.org. That's schoolconnections.org. Our enrollment managers, you know, what positioned in, in, in a good way to become heads of school. And he provided, a, you know, probably one of the best answers that I could. This is why I'm going to give him your, his answer instead of mine. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's just really succinct. And I'm paraphrasing here, but you can certainly go back and listen to it. But, but essentially what, what John said was, look, you know, what other person at a school understands the business side, understands the analytics understands the need to fill a school, understands the programming and outcome that's tied to it, understands the marketing and brand, understands, and he just kept going on and on and on. And he said, that's the job of an enrollment manager, that this is innate to who they are and what they do. And it's great. It's a great training ground to become a head. Now, when you become a head, obviously there's a whole nother host of issues that get layered on top of it, sure. but you've built a really good foundation so that you, 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 you can walk into the job on day one and have you know, a very good perspective on what makes a school successful. No, I, without a doubt. And I certainly go way back with John. And I remember, I think he was at South Kent uh, when I was uh, back in the day, but a great guy went on to be a very successful head. And now he's yep. the executive director of RG175. So it's been yep. a nice evolution for John. Right. Peter, let me ask you again, you, you've worked with thousands of directors of admission. What are they coming to you with the most saying, these are the skills I don't have that I really yeah. need help with? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a few that we're seeing emerge more over the years. I mean, you know, I think a lot of admission folks are, gosh, it's interesting, right? There's a lot of like business analyst skills that you know, that, that, that we, we get requests for all the time. Like how, how can you be even more sophisticated with your analytics, you know, with the, with, with the intention of like, how can I make better decisions with informed data? Right. Right. I think that's, that's something that we hear a lot about. We also hear a lot more about kind of lead generation, you know, marketing, how can we fill our funnel, you know, build, you know, really engaging, um, retention, not retention, but I'm sorry, but, 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 but recruitment strategies, Sure. you know, we've been doing all this work for a long time. I think where the questions are coming is that as the tools, you know, it's become more tools available to do this work. You know, I think schools are thinking about how, you know, how do we use them? Which are the right ones? Like, how do we build these, these, these complicated workflows? Um, and I would say even more of late Tom is, 
you know, a couple things. One is this retention strategy, right? I think that's something that, um, you know, we saw a lot of demand for this year. And we also saw a lot of demand for this year in terms of, you know, DEI work, building inclusive communities, removing bias from uh, the process, thinking intentionally about, you know, how they're going to assess their students and build communities that are inclusive. You know, that we've done a ton of work around that this, this year as well. Let me ask you specifically uh, regarding lead generation. Um, sure. One of the things that Dartmouth Associates has as a product, it's, it's really kind of our niche product where we kind of bring in the entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, and mm -hmm. to look outside of the educational community for answers and solutions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And getting back to my conversation with Mark Sclaro, who said, yes, directors of admissions need sales skills. Sure. Another part of some of the things that I've talked to some of my clients about. What's yep. your feeling about that? Do Mark, do, do enrollment, specifically do enrollment professionals need sales skills? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow from Mark. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, look, I think I think not only do they need sales skills, but they also need to think about who they're selling to and what they're selling. Right? They're not. And I think this is this is a really easy trap to fall into. It's really easy to sell the features of a program. Right. 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 The brand new uh, athletic facility, the makerspace, the you know the. Um, you know, the lead certified building, you know, like all those sorts of things. They're important. There's no question. Like you've, you know, they're, they, they add to your competitive advantage, sure. but I, I think what we're finding, and we're going to start to see this more and more over the next few years is that there's been a fundamental shift in who is, who is interested in our product, right? Uh -huh. Who are the, who, you know, who, who are the parents now? And, when I mean, what I mean by that is that we're, we're moving from one gener, you know, we're moving from gener one generation to another, to another. So for the longest time, it was the baby boomers. Right. And a lot of the way, a lot of what we, I was just talking about were really important to that generation, right? They, they, they wanted to understand the, the feature side of the school equation. That's less so for my generation, the generation Xers, you know, they're deep into researching programs and understanding right. alignment and how, you know, what are the outcomes going to be? And then you get into the millennial group and the millennials really are most concerned about values, not value, but values, right? Gotcha. Like what do you stand for as an organization? It's great that you have the building, but at the end of the day, how is my child going to go through your program and develop values that are aligned with our values as, as, as not only parents, but consumers too. So I'll give you an example. You know, one, what we often talk about is Tesla. You've, you know, that is just a brand that obviously has, you know, <laughs> risen to heights that no, nobody could have seen 10 years ago. Right. And a lot of that, 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 that value, a lot of that growth has come from Gen X and, and millennials and I'll, I'll focus on millennials to be specific. You know, millennials don't necessarily care that you're buying an electric car. What millennials care is that you're, you're, you're buying into a movement to help make the earth a, a better place. Gotcha. Right. It's not the features. It's not the screen, the touch screen in the car. It's what the car stands for. And that's something that I, I mean, we encourage uh, our members to think about all the time now because it's shifting. It's shifting fast. I think uh, we did a, a, 
a survey of about 2,900 families this year. And then three years prior, we did the same survey. And what's not surprising is, you know, there aren't a lot of Gen Xers, I'm sorry, baby boomers left in the parent pool. Right. You know, right. it's largely dominated by Gen Xers, but, you know, it went from 3% to 8% millennial parents in three years. Imagine what's going to be in another three years. Sure. And then a three years after that. Yeah. So now is the time to start thinking about your messaging and branding and, and how can you align, you know, with this very different generation from what, what we're familiar, you know, used to dealing with over, over the years. Let me, let me go back to uh, the lead generation comment that you made. Sure. You know, I think admissions people for the most part have done a pretty good job once an inquiry comes in. Of mm-hmm. shepherding them, mm-hmm. I think. I think from what I've seen is there is that panic when all of a sudden you're not even getting leads into the top of the funnel. And I guess it depends on how you qualify a lead, right? Sure. And wh- where is the entry point now? And and this is part of the generational difference that we that, that I was talking about. You know, just I'm going to use myself as an example. Sure. Um, let's say I was going to go buy a car before I step foot on a lot. I'm going to research, I'm going to read blogs from bloggers about, you know, the cars that I'm interested Mm -hmm. in. I'm going to read, you know, reviews of the vehicles. Then I'm probably going to spend, I mean, this is, this is my personality. I'm probably going to spend about 20 hours hammering YouTube, looking for every car review that I can possibly (laughs) find and just building a, building a base of knowledge that will help me make a better decision. This is very similar for the independent school process too. You know, the days of sending an inqu- filling an inquiry, which mind you, I mean, if you look at a lot of inquiry forms, in some ways they rival your applications, right? You're asking for a lot of information when really you probably need three or four data points in order to start to grow a relationship. Um, you know, the, I think we're going to start, we're going to continue to see a decline of the way people are submitting inquiries specifically for your program, right? You know, you may see interactions uh, in different areas depending upon how you're helping educate families. And I can can get into that if you want, but what we're seeing is a rise in what they call stealth applications, right? People are doing all this research on one side and then they're like, oh, well, okay. I now know what I want. I now know who you are. I'm going to apply. And that may be the first point of contact. So, you know, the whole idea of, you know, where do leads come is getting kind of turned on its head because we've got generate a generational difference now that's driving your different uh, consumer behaviors. Getting back to the, to the issue of leads uh, again, under the heading of reaching out to constituency groups that may have an interest in your school, but nobody has ever approached them. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm using that scary word or that scary term cold call. Yeah. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. in, In that, there are associations, there are businesses, there are service organizations uh, that would be well served if someone from the admission office would reach out to them and start to establish that relationship. And that's one of the things that I have helped some of my clients in is just being able to do that comfortably, getting in the mindset that you've got an incredible product that you believe in and what you're trying to do is give people the information. But, but you're also a domain expert, right? So is the reach out saying, hey, I've got this amazing school, send me all your kids, or is the reach out, hey, like, we're really good at this thing. 
and I can help your, 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 you know, those folks who are in your association, your, you know, whatever your affinity group, what have you, sure. and we can teach you about that, whatever that thing is. So like an example would be, Hey, you know, Tom, you're the head of a school with that focuses on students with learning differences. You have incredible knowledge on, you know, how students learn and how, you know, uh, and, and you can help families who are <clears throat> first coming to the, to the understanding that maybe their, their child has a learning difference. Well, like, is there an opportunity for you there to think more uh, 30,000 foot level uh-huh. and establish domain expertise so that you're actually giving them something versus asking for something, right? You know, and Absolutely. realizing that you've got to build the relationship first and you have to establish the trust before people are going to start to see the value that you offer. And, you know, we see this a lot because uh, schools can uh, purchase something called the student prospect list from us, which essentially, you know, when families are registering for our services, you know, they opt into this list and say, hey, I want to share my inf- information with a range of schools. I think that the, 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 the what's um, tempting is to get this list put it into your email program and then send out a, an email saying that, you know, we're, you know, here we are, I'm raising yes. my hand. Yes. Here's our school yes. versus, okay, let's think intentionally about what, let's segment the list. Think about like what is of interest to these families and start to provide educational materials so that you can show yourself as that domain expert versus, versus saying, Hey, like, you know, come visit our school because, you know, we've got X, Y, Z programs. They may not not be ready for that, right? So it's all about that relationship nurture that comes with any good salesperson, right? Before somebody wants to buy from you, they have to trust you. So you have to show that, you know, you understand the problem that they're facing and that you have a potential solution and and domain expertise to help solve it. You know, Peter, that's that's an excellent statement because that makes me think of that term, People don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. I love that. That's great. You know, uh, yeah. and that gets back. And I love your term, the a domain expert. You know, in other words, what can we do for you rather than just dump all these features on you? Yeah, because it's a lot. It's really, it's overwhelming. You know, there's, there's, there's so much for folks to process. I mean, let's think about it this way. What other purchasing process do you go through where you raise your hand in September and you're not told if you can buy it until March or April? I I can't think of one except for college admission. Right, right. And and along the way, it's fairly opaque, right? Like you don't really know where you stand until you get that final, you get that letter in March or April. That's right. And so many, so many families this is a, it can be kind of an overwhelming process because the last time they were in this is maybe when they went to college. A hundred percent. Look, I went through this with my daughter three years ago, four years ago, and it was incredible. And I'm in the business. And yet it was incredibly, <laughs> it was incredibly overwhelming because it's emotional, right? Like you want the best for your child. And so every single decision you make, you're scrutinizing as a parent. 
This episode is sponsored by the Independent Educational Consultants Association. It is the largest and most respected organization representing independent educational consultants. An IECA member educational consultant is a skilled professional who provides counseling to help students and families choose a school that is a good personal match, one that will foster the student's academic and social growth. IECA members adhere to the strictest ethical standards in the profession, visit hundreds of campuses each year, and are among the most experienced educational consultants in the profession. They focus on finding the best match between student and school. Many schools have gained students from new communities because of their outreach to IECA members. Personally, I was a director of admissions for 20 years, and the IECA consultants were crucial in helping me find the best mission-appropriate students. They are fantastic people to work with. In fact, national and regional media, as well as government agencies, rely on IECA as the authority of the profession. IECA is consistently cited by the media as the association with ethical, student-centered advising. For more information on how to connect with IECA members, go to IECAonline.com. That's IECAonline.com. I mean, this may not be true for every parent, but you know, the parents that went through the process with us, and there are a fair number of them, we all, I just remember sitting sitting on the sidelines at soccer games talking about, you know, the schools in our area and which ones you're applying to. And like the, the horrible part about it was that we're all kind of sizing each other's up saying, oh, you're the competition now. <laughs> you know, like, are you going to get that spot instead of our daughter? But, you know, I'm not, this isn't meant to be a critique of the process more so it's intended to, to really drive home the need to build the relationship and to keep families, you know, feeling, you know, feeling connected to the value that you offer as a school. And there's just, immense opportunity in that simple thing. Thinking about as you're working with a family throughout that six, seven month period, you know, what are the different touch points that are important to the families and how can you feed them information that's important and helpful to them? And it could be literally as simple as sitting down as an office in July or, or August after you've had a break and saying, let's map those out. And what are the, what are the things we can do? Do this year versus what are the nice to, what are the nice to haves which are versus what are the what are the things that are absolutely necessary and just establish a baseline and then over the years continue to fill in more and more touch points and realize that you're, 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 you you what when you start you're building the foundation and then you're going to start to scaffold and all of a sudden you're going to put the roof on and you're going to you're going to sheathe it and you're going to put the siding <laughs> on and then you're going to put the you know you're going to plumb it you, like it's going to get better and better and better with with each following year Right, um, and and there are a lot of schools that are doing that work, but it's a really important mindset to never lose sight of because as you get into the day to day, it's it's easy, it's just easy to get caught up with. Okay, here are the three things that I need to absolutely get done uh, before the end of the day. Yeah, that, that's right, and there's so much so much planning to be effective in admissions that you want to hit the ground running. You know, when the clock strikes seven thirty or whenever you're in the office, you've got to. Well, have and this. And, and there's no, and it, 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 don't, don't, don't ever, don't think that we didn't um, intentionally label our spectrum, the strategic enrollment management spectrum, because enrollment is a highly, highly strategic profession, highly strategic. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's wrapped in emotion. It's wrapped in wanting the, you know, your, your, your parents want the best for their children. I mean, it, 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 it is 
by, by, by my mind, definition a strategic process. No, with, without a doubt. Um, let me ask you specifically about this list that you brought up, this student profile list. Is that a feature that's available just to members or could that be a non-member school who could get that? I'm just trying to yeah, so it's, give it's a you great a question. I'll talk def- about some of the benefits that your members. Yeah, 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 no, no, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Yeah, so it's um, our student prospect list is available to our members. And it's the, the main requirement being that you use one of our core products um, to be able to purchase it. So maybe you're using the SSAT, our snapshot product, the standard application online. Um, but yeah, if, if you meet those criteria, it's available to any school that um, is interested. Talk briefly about, you mentioned your snapshot product. What is that, mm-hmm. please? Yeah, so it's called the character skill snapshot. It, it, it's a snapshot of where students sits across seven key characteristics um, on a spectrum. And or kept seven key scare characteristics that are measured through the snapshot. And basically, you know, this year was particularly helpful for a lot of schools because, you know, a lot of families weren't able to come to campus. And so what it did, what it did is it helped under, you know, schools understand like, who is this child? You know, you know, how, how might we help them? What are the programs, you know, that uh, could benefit the student could benefit from, you know, it's, it's a different view of, of a student and one that we're seeing more and more schools um, make part of their process, especially this year. I mean, the pandemic really did accelerate use of that product. Well, that, could you call that almost like a persona profile that they're that they want to get certain touch points of information on every one of their kids to give them a yeah i mean it's i mean i i think you know i'm not a psychometrician so i don't know technically if you could call it a persona profile or not but it does you know it does give you a way to measure students preferences towards you know these characteristics that i mentioned so things like you know their their intellectual engagement their open-mindedness um, how much initiative do they show, right? Are they resilient? You know, we track resilience. What kind of self-control, self social awareness, teamwork? I mean, these are all things that are, are central to, you know, educating the whole child, right? And we've never really had a way to measure how does a student perceive themselves across these different areas? Now we're, we're providing the student an opportunity to express how they perceive themselves. And then the school can then align that with, okay, well, this is really helpful information as we're thinking about, you know, how this student is going to fit into our community. It could be as simple as which advisor do we provide them with, right? Like this student needs some help thinking about uh, resilience. Well, I know this advisor is really good at, at building that particular skill. So it's, it's information that helps build a profile of a student that was not there in the past. We kind of hopefully instinctively picked up on it. Now we're actually putting some science behind it. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, it's cool. It's super cool. I mean, my daughter took it. It was really interesting. (laughs) And um, the results on the other side were at that time. Actually, I'd love for her to take it again because, you know, it's now been three plus years since she took it the first time. But when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's my daughter. Like, that's kind of where she is right now. And I'd love for her to do it again because my guess is she's you know, a much different, well, not my guest, I know. She's a much different person today than she was three or four years ago. Well, clearly that is a, that's an exciting product. I'm sure that uh, your members really appreciate that moving forward. I don't think we can ever get enough information. on. Our- yeah, no, it, it definitely, like I said, the pandemic really um, 
drew more schools closer to it because they just was, was hard, right? They, they couldn't have kids tour campus. They couldn't sit with them face to face. It's just a, it was just a different year for sure. Peter, you have had a dynamic career and Mm -hmm. have had a chance to see education from many different perspectives in the position where you are now. What do you see your three greatest challenges in the year ahead? For, for, for schools or for our organization, like which perspective uh, are you thinking you about? You personally, you personally as, as, as one of the key. Ah, okay. Of DNA. Yeah. Just, um, you know, I think one of the challenges that we constantly face is helping our members uh, evangelize and en- enroll enrollment internally within the, the school. Right. Mm. So this, this idea that, everybody is part, is part of the enrollment management process, mm. right? You know, division heads, teachers, uh, heads of school, CFOs, what have you, everybody has a role to play in terms of contributing to a really good enrollment strategy. So continuing to build the kind of learning that is necessary for folks to, to really absorb that and understand what their role is, because it's hard. Like, you know what it's like in, in, a, in, in an organization when you're doing a million things and then you're said, hey, do this one more thing. It can be like, <laughs> right, right. It, it could be a super light ass, but yet it could be just debilitating because you're just overwhelmed. So like, how can we help folks realize that the work that they're already doing is contributing to it. It's just now looking at it through a a slightly different lens. And, you know, I I think about teachers in particular and how, how important and critical they are to the enrollment strategy. And, you know, you often look at things through your own lens, personal lens. And so I go back to my sophomore year in high school. And I had, you know, to be honest with you, my middle school experience wasn't great, right? It just wasn't, <laughs> it was not, it was not like the stellar student in middle school. And, you know, my, my parents, both public school, both came at public school, my dad from, from Boston public school system, my mom from, you know, out here in Washington state. So they didn't have any perspective on private school. They didn't know what it was like, they had no clue. And they did find a little day school, well, not so little anymore, but a day school in New Hampshire where we were living. And, um, it just was, it wasn't the right fit for me, right? School's all about fit. And I, I was not being as successful as um, I could have been. And, uh, you know, somebody at the school recognized it and said, hey, have you ever thought of one of a boarding school, right? And my parents are like, boarding what? Never heard of it before. <laughs> and we've ended up just researching it. I ended up going to Brewster and it was a transformational experience. I, you know, I was able to understand who I am as a learner and, and really tap into that. And honestly, I do what I do today because of that, that Brewster experience. And um, I, I, I'll never forget my sophomore year, I was taking AP U, uh, US history and I was still early in my transformation, right? First, first semester, sophomore year, had a good freshman year. So I was building up momentum. I was like, clearly, you know, there was something there. Right. But I got into AP history and I felt like I was back in middle school. Again, I was just getting overwhelmed. It was a really tough, 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 tough thing. This episode is brought to you by ISCA. Does your board chair know about ISCA, the Independent School Chairpersons Association? The mission of ISCA is to support independent school board chairs in becoming effective governance leaders for their boards. ISCA accomplishes this by offering peer support and networking resources and educational opportunities. Get your board chair connected to ISCA today by visiting iscachairs.org. That's I-S-C-A-C-H 
A-I-R-S.org. I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S.org. And I took this, uh, uh, this test before, I think it was Thanksgiving break, and thought I bungled it, like thought I screwed that one up big time. I was geez, here we are, right back where we started. And I got a call from Dick Fay, who was my teacher, while I was at home on break, telling me I got like a B or a B plus, and it changed my life. He's like, look, you can do it. You can be successful. You can, you, you're showing the potential. I'm going to continue to work with you so that you can, you can uh, build a love of history. And it was moments like that where it'd be like, hey, Peter, have you thought about leaving Brewster to go somewhere else? And be like, no way. Like these teachers <laughs> care about me. They know me. They love me as an individual. They want me to be successful. And that at its heart is what good enrollment strategy is all about. So like, how can we capture those, those stories and share them so that it's not just the, the one-to-one thing that's happening there, but that we can really make it possible for, for folks outside of our communities to understand that. This is the, these are the values that we stand for. This is the value of our organization. So, you know, continuing to, to help schools really tap into that, because I know that's happening thousands and thousands of times a year all over the country, right? It's one of the great things that our schools do. And, you know, under, helping our schools kind of weave that in and build, you know, even stronger enrollment strategies is, is, is something that we're thinking about a lot. Well, and they and that uh, that aspect of stories are probably yeah. one of the greatest tools in the arsenal of a good admissions person is to have stories that can relate to how they want to yeah talk about the school. That's right, because then you can see yourself in the story. Yes, right, right. It, it, maybe that story solves the problem you're trying to solve, and you can show that there's a way. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. It's super powerful. And uh, that's all that's, I guess, all of us parents want is somebody that we feel understands our family values and what our child needs. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, obviously, you've got a lot on your plate as, uh, as a leader. And I guess my question is, how does the Peter Barron organize his personal life, being a good father, <laughs> being a good husband? Yeah. Uh, staying in shape. Uh, what's a day like for you? How do you do it? Yeah. What makes you, you, want, you, you, want me to, you want me to run through the day or do you want me to give you like some? However run? you want to describe it. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, it changes, right? Um, yeah. We're always evolving. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I, our days are busy, right? Everybody's days are busy. So, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, thinking and planning and doing all day long. I, I guess the question is like, how do you recharge yourself? And for me, you know, I spend a lot of time. Um, well, this 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 year, this I just finished our flag football season for my ten year old boy. <laughs> right, that was fun. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, got to coach 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 that crew. Oh, true. But I, you know, I I try to I just I try to stay in shape. I try to stay physical. I try to stay mentally clear. Um, a lot of walking. A lot of I, I, honestly, I listen to a lot of podcasts because that's the style of learning I, I embrace. Yes, right? Like, yes. yeah, I'm an I'm an audio I'm an audio learner for sure. So I'm always trying to learn from other um, industries around like what does success mean there, and you know what can I learn from that and bring back to our organization and our industry as well. So, you know, it's just this, 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 this question of always being curious, 
you know, and I, and I, and I think that's definitely helped me throughout my career. So I'm just always trying to kind of understand the backstory to figure out how do you get from point A to point B, right? And what can I learn from, from that analysis? I think if there ever was a fountain of youth, it's the fact that you're a lifelong learner. I, I absolutely oh, agree. 100%, 100%. I think the day we wake up and say, well, I need to, I know everything I need to know moving forward. I think that's the beginning of the end. Without, you know, I make so many mistakes every day, Tom, literally. Like I probably made four mistakes already and it's what, 1049 AM here on the West Coast. Um, but, you know, my commitment to that is as long as I'm learning from those mistakes and not making those mistakes, you know, and hopefully not making them again, but more importantly, building, sure. build, building a better foundation. Like that's a big part of what drives me. And it's, you know, it's what we talk about on our team here. Like you can't be afraid to take chances as long as they're informed chances. And if we do screw up, right, because we are going to screw up, there's no question. It's just human nature. We're not going to get everything right then let's figure out what we didn't do right and let's be better next time around. And that's a big part of who I am philosophically, not just professionally, but personally too. Like my wife and I, we, we really, we, 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 we try our hardest to instill that in our kids for sure. And, uh, and all we really want for our kids is to thrive without us, right? All those diapers yeah. we changed, uh, hopefully yeah. they'll pay off. Well, I'll tell you, right. I got a 14 year old who's going to high school and, we must be doing a good job because <laughs> she's, she is like, she has definitely, you know, become a very independent, strong young woman. And uh, it's been awesome to see, even though, you know, there are moments there where that independence can cause a little bit of internal tension, if, but uh, we, we, my wife and I remind ourselves then that's exactly what we should be seeing. Right. We were seeing her become more confident because she's, she's really embraced who she is and is, uh, uh, not afraid to not af not afraid to be yourself. You know, uh, I I agree. It's it's fun to watch that evolution. I and mean, we've got yeah. kids in their uh, late twenties, and I constantly say, "Where did the time go?" Oh, uh, no. And I am one who feels absolutely blessed because I truly believe that if we spend time when they're younger, they really yeah. can be some of our best friends as adults. Oh, who knows it's us better. It's, um, you know, they're, they're like carbon copies of ourselves in some ways, right? I see so much of myself and my daughter and it's, it's just eerie, but uh, yeah, it does go fast. I mean, Tom, I don't know about you, but I've got on my, on my iPhone and there's a little photo widget. I put all my photos up into iCloud and every day that widget is populated with a new set of photos and memories from years ago. Yes. You know, I've got photos all the way back to like before my daughter was born. And so there's always photos of my kids showing up and I look at it, I'm like, how was that 10 years ago? It literally felt like it was yesterday. Like never before have it's, it's really struck me about how fast time goes. And it's, it's, it's scary to think that in four years, our eldest is going to be out the door and in college, yeah. it just, yeah. oh my God, I can't, I can't even, it's, it, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, over the course, uh, you, I mean, you've always struck me as somebody who is also a giver. And I guess my question around that is, are there any particular causes in your life or in your family's life that you are particularly interested in supporting? Yeah, that's a really good question, Tom. I mean, yeah, there, there are a lot for sure. Um, I think the thing that we're really thinking through more now than ever before is, you know, my, my kids are, my wife is Japanese. My, my, I'm obviously 
you know, not, and, and you know, <laughs> a white middle-aged male is, is the demographic that I fall into. So my kids are being raised in two cultures wow. and thinking about, you know, where is their identity? And over the last 14 months, you know, as we've been, you know, working through this racial reckoning, it's been a really interesting lens for, for me to look through personally, because my kids are having a very different set of experiences than I did as a child and un- helping them understand and think ab- clearly about, you know, where they fit into the larger cultural tapestry has been fascinating to me. So, you know, thinking about organizations that support those causes are really important to my wife and I. Um, and that's really, that, that's really kind of jumped out into the front for us over the last 14 months. Well, I, I can understand particularly, uh, I did not know that your wife was Asian. And sadly, uh, you know, there are a number of Americans who could not tell the difference between a Japanese person and a Chinese person. Mm. Uh, and, and given the violence. Yeah, very different cultures. Yeah, yeah very different cultures. But unfortunately, mm. um, it's not as distinct to some people. I mean, do you have a, a fear as a, as a father with, uh, with children who have some Asian features that that there might be some issues they're going to have to deal with? Uh, I think there's absolutely, they're going to be issues that they have to deal with, but this is where our job is to, you know, per, you know, build really confident young children and help them make good decisions down the line and, you know, s- s- advocate for themselves too. I mean, this is probably one of the most proudest things that as a father um, I can say about our kids more so for, for our daughter, just cause she's older. Right. So she's, you know, she's, she's at a different point in her um, growth than our son. Her son is 10. So he's, you know, he's four years difference there, but she, she does a hell of a job advocating for herself and I couldn't be prouder for her. Right. Like she, That's she, important. she is really good at, at advocating for health herself across a variety of issues. Right. And, uh, you know, that's going to serve her great as she gets older and she gets out into the, into the, the, the quote unquote real world, the workforce. Like I, I have every confidence that whatever she ends up doing, she's going to be a success. It doesn't matter to me what she does, as long as she's pursuing something that's important to her and we'll continue and we'll do the same for our son. Like just continue to, to help him realize that he, you know, he can advocate for himself and that um, it's important for both of them to embrace who they are, they need to embrace their father's side of the, you know, the father's side of things and their mother's side of things. So, you know, since birth, you know, we've, we've, um, you know, really it's, it, it, it's getting harder as they grow older, but you know, our kids, you know, their Japanese heritage is an important part of who they are. You know, they only speak Japanese with their mother. Wow. Although, you know, now they will, you know, <laughs> you know, when they're really trying to, <laughs> you know, cause a ruckus, right. They'll, uh, they'll speak English cause, cause they know that's like a pressure point that they can push with both <laughs> of us. But, um, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can. It's hard raising kids. I, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing. Well, as, as we know, there's no specific book for any of us parents. No, we're making, we're, we're writing it as we go. Right. That's right. That's right. Peter, knowing you, as long as I have, I would describe yeah. you as a, as really a, a Renaissance educator. Uh, wow. A real educational thought leader. And having said that, I'm sure you have insights as to where the world is going, some of its challenges. Mm-hmm. But if you could share, um, let's take, for example, the, uh, the concept of the billboard of life, that everybody's oh, going to fly down this freeway and they're going to see yeah. this billboard. 
What is the message that you would like to impart on that billboard? Yeah, I think I alluded to it earlier, but ultimately what I live by is try to be a little bit better each day. Like ultimately, you know, can I be better than I was yesterday and better than the day before that and the day before that and so on and so forth. So what that implies is you you just have to constantly um, be open to learning because like you said, you know, we're lifelong learners and there are always opportunities every single day to be a little bit better. And, you know, for me, I I just try to embrace those moments. Well, I tell you what, I don't think anybody can, can go wrong trying to be better the next day. Uh, It's, 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 it's a, it's the commitment that I can make with great certainty is that, that at a minimum, I will do that. Peter, you've been so gracious to spend some time with me and our listeners. That's been fun. Yeah, it's great. And, and I'm sorry it's been as long as it's been since you and I have really sat down and, and talked, but I really look forward to staying in touch with you. Uh, thank you for all the good work that you and your team and Heather do with EMA. I know sure. you, you've really changed the lives of many directors of admission who really look to you for advice on many levels. And I just wish oh, you continued success in that, in that goal. That's uh, super kind of you, Tom. And yeah, I mean, on a personal note, you were very kind to me when I was, when I was a young professional, right. You gave me opportunities that, you know, you didn't have to. And so I, I just want to personally thank you for that and uh, wish you nothing but the success with your podcast, being a, being a kind of an audio learner that I am, I'm sure I'll be tuning in. Well, I, I appreciate it. And as I said, I will uh, soon be sending you the approximate dates when uh, this podcast is going to air and and we'll just continue to stay in touch. So fantastic. No, and I just wish you a fantastic rest of the day and please be safe. Alan, same to you. Thank you, Tom. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a short review on your favorite platform. It takes less than 60 seconds, and it really makes a difference in helping to convince those hard-to-get guests. Also, I really love reading the reviews. Lastly, please explore the full range of our recruiting services, guest opportunities, memberships, newsletters, past shows, and our exciting promotional campaigns for 2021. Through this podcast, Roar Magazine, the first ever lifestyle publication for admission professionals that launches this summer, and Admission Fest Summit, power marketing for the new era. This summit will be held in San Diego on December 5th. Please go to our website for all details at www.dartmouthassociates.com. That's www.dartmouthassociates.com. Thank you again for being part of our wonderful membership, and I wish you an absolutely terrific day. This episode is sponsored by the Ninjagram app. Let's talk about automating your social media with the Ninjagram app over at www.ninjagram.com. 
ninjagram.app. This Instagram software will help you automate and grow your Instagram following fast by using their auto follow, auto unfollow, auto comment, auto like, and auto story views feature, and much more. Get over to www.ninjagram.app today to purchase and download the Ninjagram app at www.ninjagram.app and start growing your Instagram following fast today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my producers over at Hype Music Network and jwattproduction.com. These guys produce all my episodes and I trust no one else to bring the quality performance I demand every time. If you need help with your first podcast, they will take you by the hand and guide you through the whole process. Visit them at hypemusicnetwork.com. That's H-Y-P-E-M-U-S-I-C-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com and at jwattproduction.com. That's J-A-Y-W-A-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. You will not be disappointed.